0: It's hard for a young adult to admit they don't know everything. Perhaps the reason I latch onto the paranormal is because of that. It keeps you humble, brings you down to earth, reminds you that you don't have all the answers. My first introduction to the paranormal was during primary school. My lower school wasn't always a school. It used to be a very large manor built by a very wealthy family back in 1740. In 1854, they added on to it to give it more of a Scottish castle look. The heads of our school love the manor. It's sort of the poster child of the whole institution. It's the building shown on the website, the building where big events were held, and arguably where the school gets its reputation for being haunted. Even before moving into the manor house, I and many of my other classmates had heard about Gigi. This legend wasn't just something among the students either. All the faculty knew, including the headmaster. Some would claim Gigi was more than just a rumor. Of course, the fifth years loved nothing more than tormenting the younger grades. Gigi became sort of a hand-me-down for the students. When moving on into middle school, he almost had to spread the word. All of this made my mom, a teacher at the primary school, roll her eyes. Now, I don't come from a religious family. Saying my parents are skeptics would be an understatement. Indeed, the stories trying to explain Gigi's origins are many and often conflict with each other. The only thing people can agree on is that Gigi was a young girl around lower school or primary school age, and that she drowned, tragically. This might carry some weight. There happens to be a large black and white picture of a little girl who's connected to the original founders in some way. This picture always bothered me because not only was it an actual photo of a girl who died at a young age, but it was near the kindergarten room. Kindergartners don't need to see that in their lives. There are also two unconfirmed rumours surrounding her death. One was that she took a shortcut through an area under construction and wound up falling and impaling herself on a rod. There was also a concrete pit by the lower school playground that used to have shallow water in it. Supposedly the water was removed after a girl drowned. But those two stories never struck me as likely and were probably just made up to fan the flames of the lower school ghostly legend. I never had any particularly unique interactions aside from walking alone in the ballroom that was used to connect areas of the school and hold large events. And I feel as if I was being watched, and sometimes heard voices. Although just a feeling doesn't quite do what I experienced justice. It was as if I could picture the person in full formal attire, standing in the exact same spot every time I entered, staring at me as if I'd interrupted their party. It was like when you turn your back on someone you have just spoken to. You can't actually see them, but the picture of them in your mind is vivid. And, of course, every time I would turn around to face whatever was causing me to feel this way, they would only confirm that I was alone in the ballroom. Other people have claimed things as simple as footsteps, doors slamming, but others claim full-body apparitions. One of my sister's friends, who was new to the school and unaware of the ghost stories, came to have seen a floating black cloak hovering above the pond just down the hill from the manor. All of this stuff was a nice thing to keep me distracted from the everyday struggles of school life. But of course, as I got older, I began to see the flaws in many of the stories. Once the initial excitement and wonder of a potential ghost haunting your school wears off, things go back to normal pretty quickly. But after lower school, I of course moved on to middle and high school, leaving the manor and the rumors behind. I moved on with my education. I never thought much about the manor or Gigi in the years after I moved on. I never thought I would hear about it again. But one day, while out for lunch with my family, my mom informed me that they had found something in the manor's walls during renovations. Some construction workers found very old and dated human bones mixed in with the older walls. Nobody had an explanation for how they got there, but it seems as if they'd been there a long time before the school was established.
1: Hi, I'm Jamie Markey.
0: And I'm Michael Tatum. And
2: this
1: is School Intentions.
0: It's never going to get old. Doing it's that, not. I I don't know. It's it's my instinct always to be like to say the title or hear you say the title and respond with a like a Scooby Doo villain sound.
1: Well, Ghoul Ooh. has a sound in it anyway. Ghoul. I yeah. wonder if that's where that comes from. It must. It must be. It must. Hey, who wrote that story? Uh,
0: that that that's story? comes from Alex. Alex. Alex, thank you very thank much you. for that story.
1: Uh, yeah, very creepy.
0: Getting to go to school in an old Scottish looking castle that's not actually in Scotland. I know. How cool is that?
1: I would have enjoyed that.
0: I would have enjoyed that. I, I, I was such a goth exciting. kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have gone to school in a castle.
1: Yeah. I always thought schools with stairs were really cool when I was in elementary <laughs> school because they didn't we didn't have stairs. And then when you got to junior high and high school, they did. It was right. Very exciting. Right. It was such oh. a big deal.
0: Oh man. My junior high school had um, four stairwells and they all looked exactly the same because the school was oh. like a perfect rectangle. Uh, or no. surrounding a courtyard, so it was very easy to be on the completely wrong side of the building and not realize it until it was too late. That oh yeah. fuck, I'm, I was late to so many classes my first year there. Oh yeah, because I was like, but I'm going up. Oh, I'm going up the wrong stairs. Wrong stairs.
1: Yeah. Our, my, when I, by the time I got to high school, it was just one story, except for the the theater. Then that had you know multiple stories. Man, my, my
0: house, my high like, school was like like architecturally was really complicated. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like walking through. Um, it was a bit of a maze. Like there was, mm-hmm. there were several hallways that were like, okay, those are easy to get to, but the lockers were over here in a weird way. Everything was kind of at a kind of weird angle to each other. Yeah. And like the athletic department and like the choir hall and the auditorium, all that stuff were on the other side of the building, but they were all spread out in really weird ways and connected with these really narrow hallways oh, that yeah? kind of fed into this major hallway. And it was very, it was kind of cool and fun to think about it, but man, it took some, it took some navigating skills. Yeah.
1: Ours, it was just like a giant hallway. Mm. The whole thing was just a big old hallway with like the cafeteria in the middle. And on one side were like your real classes. On the other side were the artsy fartsy classes. And then um, on the back, I know the gym was in the back, Mm. like from the cafeteria. And there were sports classes somewhere over there. Sports class. But I don't remember.
0: Our cafeteria had, as I recall, three or four different levels to it. It, oh, was yeah, no, it was all one. It was like so a so. it was like a giant set of massive stairs. You know, just like a three or four stairs, and each stair was like a level, if you can picture that. Right. And it was kind of weird. And there was like a little mini stage at the center, like or at the bottom of it. So there was like another area. There was also these little pits everywhere throughout the school, like little stairs leading down to little lounge areas. (laughs) That's fun. Um it was kind of cool, but they've since they've since built a lot onto it, so it's even more massive. And it's not a high school anymore. I think it's or not the high school. I think it's one of five or six that are in town now. It used to be the only high school when I was growing up. Of course. And it fed all the other towns nearby that didn't have a high higher grades.
1: Ours was was uh let's see I'm trying to remember, um. Well we we could go f- out to lunch. At that time I don't think they can do that anymore.
0: Yeah, we could yeah they yeah, give but us off campus go. lunch on yeah, off- uh, test on uh, finals during I mean, finals we just could go or mid midterms and I
1: lived in the neighborhood across the street. So mm. uh, we could go there a lot and just gra- everybody grab lunch and then come back. There was around. a really
0: cool lake right across. It was like a park. It was a man-made lake. It was kind of a park oh, yeah. with like ducks and everything. What and was like your high background. school? It was just McKinney High School. McKinney High School. Yeah. I went
1: to Putnam City North in Oklahoma oh, wow. City. Wow. It was very fancy. What was your mascot? Panther.
0: Panther? Mm-hmm. Oh, my mom taught at a school that had a Panther oh, mascot. Yeah. yeah not nice. not your school.
1: Was what was a, yours?
0: Um, ours was a lion.
1: A lion. Yeah, nice. big
0: cats are very popular around they here. They are weird.
1: Yeah, there were because
0: we don't have a lot of big cats around here. These parts, no, not really. We well, not we got so much. cougars.
1: We're not supposed to, but we have cougars. We do.
0: This... We do now.
1: We have bobcats in Dallas. Yep. They go along mm-hmm. the beltways, mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. are cougars. People say there's not, but there are because there was one time. This was terrifying. I lived off of a creek. And it snowed. And that morning, I went out and looked out because uh, I had, was letting the dogs out. And there were these prints where something had come up from the creek,
2: walked up, <laughs> looked in
1: the door, and then walked down. And it was not a dog. <laughs> and so I took a picture of the paw prints Ooh. and went online and because bobcats are pretty common uh, it around here, not, yeah, and, and bobcats
0: aren't that big. They're no. they're they're slightly larger than normal house cats. Yeah, and for the most part, they just look like slightly fuzzier, larger house cats.
1: Yeah, this this was not. It was it was it was a straight a
0: mountain up mountain lion. lion.
1: Yep, straight up mountain lion. Ooh, and there's
0: no mountains around here. Through
1: a neighbor, through a neighborhood.
0: You know, uh, the lake I was talking about across the street from our high school, um, which was man-made, by the way, but it did feed into some tributary, uh, some some like tributary of the Trinity River. Mm-hmm. Um they found fucking alligators in it. Straight oh, up shit. alligators in it one year. It was after I'd graduated. But yeah. cause and everyone's like, oh, that's surely a rumor. That's bullshit. People make up shit. Cause it wasn't even that big of a lake. Right. So it's like you can see the whole lake from pretty much any point of the shore. So it just seemed uh, it was more of a really large pond, but people were like, "No alligators," and then people didn't uh, didn't buy it for a while. And then someone actually caught one, and <gasps> there's a big picture of it in the newspaper. and oh They found God. others, and people were like, "Oh, so they started putting signs up everywhere, um, like yeah. no swimming. There are alligators in this lake. And we're like, what the fuck are allig- alligators this doing in, too far in north. fucking North Texas? Yeah. Eh. Anyway, that's really weird. What uh, what's our title today? Speaking our of title. speaking of things that. Uh, (laughs) That don't
1: belong? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Our title is... Friends on the Other Side.
0: Yeah. It's it's, inappropriate. It, it seemed it's, appropriate. It's the yeah. villain song from uh, uh, Frog the, Princess, yeah, Princess.
1: The, and the Princess Frog. and the Frog. Disney's Princess Disney, and the Frog. Yeah. Which, which song, I rather love that a good movie. Song. It's such a great such song. He's such a too. great villain, too. He's so, so I love good. that
0: actor. That actor mm-hmm. has got a voice that just does things to me. Yeah.
1: It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those songs. I felt the same way about Hunchback where the villain's song is so powerful. Uh, Man, that's the great thing. Disney villains
0: are great because when they get a good song, and Mm -hmm. most of them have a pretty goddamn Mm -hmm. good song. I mean, Ursula has a great song. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she does. And, you know, uh, uh, Cruella de Vil, she doesn't sing her song, but her song is iconic.
1: And Maleficent turns into a fucking dragon.
0: Yeah. She's one of the only villains, I think, that the classic villains doesn't have her own song.
1: Because she turns into a fucking dragon.
0: You don't need no song when you can turn into a dragon, motherfuckers.
1: So, and the reason uh, we went with that is I love all the tangents we're going. I know, we can't things. help it. It's, it's a sign of the times. It's so also a
0: sign of all the fucking rabbit holes I went
1: yeah, down
0: yeah. researching my topic this week. Yes.
1: And I, I don't
0: even did as well. know what your topic is this week. I know. What is your topic? Because you're, well, take I'm, us, take I'm us there. First.
1: My topic is for this episode 50. Can you fucking believe it? Mm. Uh, Montauk Swamp, I think that's how you say it. M A N C H A C.
0: I think it's Montauk. Montauk. I've always heard it as Montauk. Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, Montauk Swamp and the Voodoo Queen and Julie Brown. (sighs) Not downtown Julie Brown. That's different.
0: There's the MTV
1: downtown Julie Brown. And then there's another downtown Julie Brown from New York who was a madam. Anyone who
0: gets that reference gets a gold star. Let me give you
1: a gold star. Uh, No, there really was, though. There was like a madam in New York who was named. Who was known as Julie Brown? Oh, true story. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, there's like a Wikipedia about her and everything. No. I was like, this is not the bitch I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, this, this Julie Brown is also known as Julie White, uh, Julia Black as well, but it's Julia Brown.
0: God, all, all the, like the whole spectrum, like just Ju- I know. Julie just Rainbow.
1: Pick a color. Right. Uh, okay, so this is who I used. Best Lovejoy with MentalFloss.com, Atlas Obscura, Wikipedia, and Mysterious Universe. Ooh. So, just to give you an idea of the area we're talking about, I read this article on Mysterious Universe by Brent Swanser. And Brent really gets the idea of the swamp down. So, I thought I'd read a bit of his description to get us in the mood. Oh, please All do. All right. Montauk Swamp, located in Louisiana, not far from the festive city of New Orleans, is everything one might expect a supposedly haunted place to look like. Here, stagnant green waters choked with vegetation and algae and prowled by alligators meander through the groves of trees draped in moss which stand over their domain like silent, sad sentinels.
0: Oh, God, I love it. I
1: know, he's so good. Along the snake and gator infested waterways with mud caked shores, one can find decrepit cabins perched upon the mosquito choked water cloaked by brush and giving no indication of whether they they are inhabited or not. Mm. Snakes, alligators, and biting insects exist here in plentitude, coexisting within the morass of damp, dark, foggy wetlands, and lying in wait for those who dare tread too close. This forsaken place perfectly lends itself to spooky tales and lore, and the Munchak Swamp certainly does not disappoint.
0: Oh my... God, I so wish I was smoking a joint right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. love it. I'm just like, God damn it, I want to go into the swamp. I but, but then see, I don't.
1: I read that and I'm like,
0: eh, I want to go, eh. but I don't. I can it just be in a video game? Yes. And like all the like, can it be in a VR game? And I yes. just, I'm just going down the bayou because like the whole I'm very, I'm a romantic. The the idea of like a gothic swamp just really does so it for great. me.
1: But then mosquitoes. You just bring
0: off, or some. You know what we used to do? We used just to take bring off. rocks of sulfur and put them in little socks and like dun- dun-
1: dun- 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 yeah.
0: beat yourself with it, um, because that kept the bugs off. Or we that was the old the way to do it. Watch the and the
1: frog. They go down the mo- the mo- the swamp, and then you you can live vicariously through the cartoons. <laughs> okay, so now that we're in the swamp, we all feel sludgy in the swamp.
0: All feel- right, I just I can feel the heavy, the humidity, the heavy atmosphere. I can hear the bugs.
1: Good. Chirp, chirp, chirp. The, the cricket, slopping cricket, cricket. water.
0: Yeah. <laughs> slorsh, slorsh, slorsh. Okay.
1: <laughs> At the turn of the 20th century, the towns of Ruddock, Frenier, F R E N I E R, Frenier, maybe.
0: Frenier. 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 Oh, probably someone out there would call it, and be like, it's Frenier.
1: It's Frenier. Uh, Frenier. <laughs> and <laughs> Napton were prosperous settlements clustered on the edge of Lake Pontchartrain in the Monchoc wetlands, about 25 miles west of New Orleans. These towns were sustained by logging and centuries-old cypress trees and farming cabbages in the thick black soil. Uh. The railroad was their lifeline, bringing groceries from New Orleans and hauling away the logs and cabbages as far away as Chicago. They had no roads, no doctors, and no electricity, but had managed to... Off the grid. Off the grid. Well, late 1800s, that's not not too...
0: The grid wasn't very far reaching back then.
1: I mean, the grid was right there, but not. It was so close. But anyway. Um, <laughs> although I feel like those areas still probably are fairly off the grid in Cajun, you know, Cajun Why country. Why? It's so hard
0: to build out there because mm-hmm. of that swamp land. Yeah. It's very unforgiving.
1: Yep, yep. But this little community had managed to carve out a cohesive and self-reliant communities. All of them. It doesn't make sense now that I said it like that. But they were cohesive and self-reliant. You get the idea.
0: They were society.
1: They were society. Julia Brown was a voodoo queen who lived in Frenier, specifically. I love her already. Sometimes referred to as Julia White or Julia Black, she was known to offer cures to what ailed the residents of Ruddock, Frenier, and Napton, And she was powerful. So powerful, in fact, that when people didn't need her help, they stayed away out of fear. You see, Julia seemed to be able to predict the future, so many considered her an oracle. Several times, she had predicted nearby disasters. Without many visitors, Julia would sit on her front, front porch and sing songs about the next impending disaster. Her most oh my famously sung... God, sings, I
0: love it. I love it, I love it. I'm her, like, that's where you'd find an oracle, uh-huh. in the fucking swamp.
1: Her most famously sung song was, One day I'm going to die and take the whole town with me.
0: Oh uh-huh. <laughs> I love Nico Case's cover of that song. It's so good.
1: <laughs> Sadly, on September 28th, 1915, so not quite two weeks shy of 104 years ago to the day this airs. Oh because shit. Because I cannot stop fucking doing that. <laughs>
2: God damn. With Dave, it's always
1: I don't understand it.
2: Are you her? I was Are you her?
1: I don't know. But I told I was like, I just shouted from downstairs when I was talking, to, uh, looking it up and everything, doing the uh, research. Yeah. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Jack was like, what? I was like, I did it again. He was like, what? I was like, this fucking story. He's like, is it the same month, like within a week or so? And I was like, yes.
0: And that's the song you're going to sing from the front porch <sighs> of your bio that's cabin right. is Oops, I Did It Again.
1: Yeah. And also get these fucking mosquitoes off of me.
0: <laughs> um, the mosquitoes, will they, they won't come anywhere near you. They fear you as well. They bet them. <laughs> so,
1: Julia, okay, September 28th, 1915, Julia passed away at 70 years old.
0: Mm. Being that
1: they lived in 1915 without electricity and modern embalming techniques.
0: That's like 120 by today's
1: standards. Yes, yeah, true. Julia's family set about burying her the next day, September 29th, 1915. Mm. The same day, a Category 4 hurricane swept in from the Caribbean. Oh, in, shit. In Frenier, Frenier, where Julia lived, the storm surge rose 13 feet, and the winds howled at 125 miles an hour. Many of the townsfolk sought refuge in the railroad depot, which collapsed and killed 25 people. Altogether, mm, close to 300 people in Louisiana died, with almost 60 in Frenier and Ruddock alone. When the storm cleared on October 1st, Frenier, Ruddock, and Napton had been entirely destroyed. Homes flattened, buildings demolished, and miles of railway tracks washed away. One of the few survivors later described how he clung to an upturned cypress tree and shut his ears against the screams of those drowning in the swamp.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, God. The survivors
1: erected a graveyard for Frenier's deceased residents. They were all buried in a mass grave and later given a fence and wooden grave markers. The swampland is believed to be haunted by the voodoo priestess, Julie Brown, whose prediction, or perhaps curse, should have been heeded. Her grave is removed by the rest by about a hundred yards, which is probably how she would have wanted it. The graveyard is on private land and can no longer be accessed by foot. However, there are a number of swamp tours in the area that will drive you right by this cemetery, and they will all tell you the story of the curse of Julia Brown.
0: There's, I love it. I love her. It's such a I good story. I love everything she stands for. There I is, so want this to be true.
1: There is a uh, a story on Reddit too. Now it's on the no sleep, but they stayed at the beginning.
0: Uh-huh.
1: They didn't know where to put it. They feel like no sleep isn't true, but some of them they thought were true and that their story is it's kind true. kind of a mix, I think. So they they claim that their story is true, that uh, it was a woman who was pregnant. Um, they were driving. She had been staying with her mom, driving back from New Orleans um west her mom lived west uh-huh. i'm just gonna assume lafayette um and Why so not? they were driving back and she had to pee and it, the traffic was really bad and she was like you have to pull off i'm going to wet myself in this car if we not mean... so they exit x ex- took the uh, Ruddock exit oh, and shit. it turned into a smaller road that they had to stop because it literally drove off into lake ponch train <laughs> or into the swamp or something <laughs> like that so they stopped and he was like well we'll turn around uh, her husband who's driving and she was like no we won't I gotta pee so she got out and uh went around the car and uh was doing her thing and he was like whoop we got company and she was like oh really and he was like yeah hurry up and so uh
0: fuck that's she, uh, there's so much pressure I know so <laughs> she, to pee and like, yeah, people. she
1: finishes and um looks up and there's this old woman this old african-american woman uh. with white hair walking towards them and wait, she raised raised her hand and waved at him and they waved back and as she got closer, they she looked like she was wearing a, a potato sack as a dress and she didn't have any shoes on and she huh. smelled really bad. Oh. And um, when she got close to him, she giggled and uh, said, hi, and how are you and everything. And then she giggled kind of and gestured for them to follow her closer to the lake. And then the woman was like, hell no, this, something's fucked up. But he was like, we need, she probably has Alzheimer's. Something's wrong with her. We need to call the police to come check on this woman.
0: That's what my mom would do. My mom would say that. My mom would be like, she's an old woman. She's out in the middle of nowhere. She's wearing something that, I mean, she looks confused. We can't just leave her
1: here. Right. So. Mom, it may be a voodoo priestess. Right. You never know. So he uh, follows her and the wife follows as well. And she turns around and she she points at something out in the water that's floating and she looks at him and laughs this malicious laugh and says oh. i took them all with me
2: oh. and they realize oh. Oh. Oh that what's floating
1: is a body <gasps> and then all of a sudden all of these different bodies start coming up from the swamp what up. what and he was like oh my god we've got to call the police so she goes and calls the calls the police two police officers come the first car gets there they tell him what's going on this woman is taking credit, I guess, somehow. And they put her in the back of this of the cop car
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh, are talking about all the bodies. Second cop car comes up and they go to talk to him. And when they go to get the woman or talk to the woman, she's not in the car. So they're like, fuck, where is she? And so then the pregnant woman is like, oh my God, she's going to jump out at me anyway. I can't handle it. I'm going to have to pee again. And <laughs> uh, so then uh, the cop is like, why are you guys... Like, what did you say her name was? And he said, oh, she said her name was Julia. And he goes, Aunt Julia? And they were like, yeah. And he was like, if you guys are messing with me. And then the other cop was like, no, she was in my car. Like, I put this woman in my oh, car. Oh, shit. And then they know they looked out in the lake, and all the bodies were gone.
0: Oh, that was my next question. Like, where were the bodies? They
1: all disappeared. Oh. And so they were trying to figure out what was going on. They took message, you know, information from them, got their phone numbers and everything like that. And they left, and they never heard anything about it. And uh, then found out about Aunt Julia.
0: Wow. That's so a great story. It's really I, good. Whether I that's true or not, it's a great story. It's a great fucking yeah. story. So damn, it's a, damn. it is a
1: very well-known story in the area. There are tours based on this, haunted tours based on this story. Oh. It is one of the most haunted swamps in Louisiana. And this story is at the top of every single list. Ooh. But is it true?
0: I want it to be true.
1: Research says, (sighs) hashtag, actually it is true.
2: Really? Yes. Yes.
0: That makes me so yes. happy. <laughs> I was going to be so crestfallen. I, know. I was going to so be so good. depressed.
2: It is so good. So, <laughs> I'm so, like, oh,
0: so it's, it's
1: true? It's true. true? Oh my God, Yeah, yes. it turns out Julia Brown was I in fact. I can't believe
0: I'm so excited. I know. That a tragedy of so I awful is too. actually true, but it's just such a good story. Now there's part
1: of it I think that's embellished, but let's get through. Let's well, it
0: happens. Stories, stories you yeah. know, they snowball.
1: That's true. Uh, so it turns out that Julia Brown was in fact a real person. Census records and findagrave.com say she was born Julia Bernard in Gentilly Orleans Parish, Louisiana, in 1845. Her parents were both born in Maryland. In 1882, she married Celestein Celis, something, Celis Brown, I guess. Silas. Silas? C-E-L-I-S. Oh, oh, oh no, I've never
0: heard that. I don't know. Uh, I did not heard that name before.
1: Celestein, C-E-L-S-T-I-N-E. Celestein. 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 That sounds right. Celis. That's good. We're going to go with that. I like it. Sometimes you just got to throw the accent on it and, <laughs> and
0: you're like, oh, there's, oh, there's there the logic.
1: Is. Uh, Sells Brown, who was born in Texas. They had five children. Surviving were Matilda, Signorina, and William. About 20 years after their marriage, the federal government gave her husband a 40-acre homestead plot to farm, property that likely passed on to Julia after her husband's death sometime between 1910 and 1914, which is a big deal.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a black
1: family mm-hmm. that the government mm-hmm. gave. And I don't know why they gave him this property, but it's a big deal. Huh. Of course, there wouldn't be any official records of her voodoo work, but according to Mental Floss, a New Orleans voodoo priestess, Bloody Mary, said she found references to a voodoo priestess or queen by the name of Brown, who worked in New Orleans around the 1960s before moving out to Frenier.
0: I love it. I think that's just that's just yeah, um, it's
1: part of our, our quirks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because the It's town- like, you
0: got it right. Ding. Yay. <laughs> you get to move on to the next round.
1: Because the towns had no doctors, Mary suggested that Brown likely served as a tre-ture, tre-ture, traiteur, t-r-a-i-t-e-u-r, traiteur. Traiteur. Which is a faith healer in Louisiana uh, folk tradition. Okay. As well as a midwife, using whatever knowledge and materials she could find to care for residents in the area. Mm. Her song is also documented an oral history account from a longtime area from longtime area resident heller schlosserberg records that aunt julia brown always sat on her front porch and played her guitar and sang songs she would make up the words to one of the songs she sang said that one day she would die and everything would die with her and the hurricane that was real too the New Orleans hurricane of 1915 was an intense Category 4 hurricane that made Damn. landfall near Grand Isle, Louisiana during a 1915 Atlantic hurricane season. The Oof. storm formed in late September when it moved westward and peaked in intensity of 145 miles an hour to weaken slightly by the time of landfall on September 29th with recorded wind speeds of 126 miles per hour as a strong Category 3 hurricane. Again, she is listed as having died the 28th at 70 years old. Yeah. So
0: that's, um, that's pretty accurate. It's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Yeah.
1: Levee overtopping along Lake, Lake Pontchartrain, so all along where this area was, resulted in the flooding of much of western New Orleans, and at its height, the surge was estimated to have crested between 15 and 20 feet, Ooh, setting God. a record for the highest tide reported in the region at the time. Nearly 100 miles north on the Mississippi River, the river swelled six feet above normal. 100 this miles is a north,
0: 1915. Was this the same hurricane that killed so many people in Galveston? Do you remember that? I uh, was don't a, it was the, know. It was before they. It was what? There was a hurricane in the early part of the 20th century that. It might have been 1911. Yeah,
1: well, they had no warning.
0: Well, they had no warning. So, and this was before, and it, it killed a lot of people in Galveston. and It's what prompted them to build a seawall that's out yeah, there now. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if this is the I same storm because it's in the Gulf. So. But, I, don't I don't remember
1: seeing it, but it's possible. It's a bad um, time
0: for hurricanes.
1: This hurricane killed 275 people in the area and caused $13 million of $1915 like in damage. It's like basically
0: $1 trillion a in damage. A trillion,
1: billion, trillion.
0: Yes. <laughs> Good Lord.
1: There's even a newspaper account from the New Orleans Times Picayune, Picayune from October second, 1950.
0: Oh, we've talked about that paper before. The it was around New Orleans, Orleans Times Picayune. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was around uh, in the days of Madame Lalaurie. Yes, Lalaurie. Yeah. Um,
1: it describes Brown's funeral on the day of the storm. I'm not going to read it verbatim because it has some offensive language. Oh dear. But basically, people had gathered for miles around to attend the funeral of Aunt Julia Brown, an old woman who was well-known in the area, as well as a big property owner. The funeral was scheduled, and Aunt Julia had been placed in her casket, and the casket, in turn, had been placed in the customary wooden box and sealed. At four o'clock, however, the storm had become so violent that the funeral attendees left the house in a stampede, abandoning Aunt Julia in the process. The corpse was found Thursday, and so was the wooden box, but the casket... Has never been found, huh. which is weird because that means the box had to open, the casket had to open, she had to fall out. The casket disappeared, and the box was found.
0: Weird, right? I in my in my movie, her spirit just decided to ride the casket out, like that's and it's just, just like cackling
1: yeah. and laughing the whole time. I can
0: see that. Like I Bobby, love it. Bobby Yaga has her like mortar and pestle, and yeah, and Julia has her casket. Why not? Kind of sure. perfect. Like a witch riding a casket. That's kind of awesome.
1: That is pretty fun. <laughs> The graveyard really does contain those deceased from the flood, as well as Aunt Julia. Uh, The thing about it is they couldn't get them to other areas. So basically they just uh, rode on the swamp, and it's it's almost kind of like a little island. Um, And just gathered people on rafts and took them there and mm. and uh did do they did bury them in a mass grave the only thing mm. that's probably not accurate is the belief that she had cursed the area seems more likely to me that she could accurately predict the future yeah. and based on the turnout for her funeral we can assume she was at least very well respected in the area
0: probably I mean, she got one really big thing right odds are she got a lot of other things right yes
1: too. And that doesn't mean people weren't afraid of her, but they had to respect her to go. If she was just a witch or she was just a voodoo queen that that people were terrified of, they would not have gone to her funeral.
0: Yeah, you would think.
1: Yeah. So uh, probably I think she was respected because she was a healer and a midwife. And mm-hmm. she took care of these people, even though she owned land, which yeah. at the time made her a very wealthy woman. Right. She didn't have to do these things, and she still did. So I, I think I love her. I love I think her. That's I just telling. love everything about her. Yeah, I think the. The curse is the not true part.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was yeah. true. I mean, because why? Why would she curse why would she take care of all these people for so long only to curse them? Because right. she sang sh- this song for years. The
1: story right? goes. Yeah, she sang it for years. So
0: she just knew it's kinda like when Mark Twain knew that he was gonna go out with the comic. With, with Haley's Comet, because yeah. he was born when Haley's Comet came in. He wasn't like I'm I'm cursing myself. He was like, No, I just know. I just know. Like she clearly had seeing if she could see in the future yes. and she just thought, Well, I'm gonna write a song about it. Cause right. that's like she knew whenever the hurricane comes like that's why I'm going to die. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: And I think she was warning people. That's right. That's right. And I think the the curse thing happens after the fact because you know, a lot of people believe that oh well when she wasn't healing people then it's she was must have been uh they they were too afraid of her. So nobody went to see her whenever yeah. but uh, whenever she wasn't needed and yeah. that she was mad about that but she also had three children and a husband that yeah. only died like the year before her so that doesn't really I think the curse it's not,
0: I think that calling it a curse is just kind of a, a later you know, like or just not later but it's a it's a detail of the story that was added because you know it, it they have to make her, someone who stands outside like someone with with that kind of ability yes. who's also a benefit to their society like mm-hmm. it's troubling to it to the sort of the the norms of right. that society with regards to their own faith and so they need to cast that person a bad light and be like oh it's the oh, same thing
1: with yeah. the the cunning women right yeah exactly I think that's what she was she was mm-hmm. a cunning woman mm-hmm. and uh and so anyway that's i think that that's the part that's not true is the curse i think yeah. she was a, you know she was voodoo priestess at the very least mm-hmm. um if not hoodoo i mean she's list i guess they found her in the voodoo thing but Voodoo is very popular What's there, the difference? a difference?
0: Bit... Do you know? Is there? Um, I don't know enough about either faith.
1: Voodoo, I think, is more localized.
0: Okay, it's and more like its own. Voodoo came over. Yeah.
1: Right. And so, voodoo, I think, took those te- took that and.
0: Voodoo isn't voodoo from like Haiti. It's largely from Haiti, isn't it? Yeah, and I it's think so. it's kind of it's it's. We were just talking out of our ass. So if we get a- it wrong, I th- sorry. I think voodoo is African traditions, uh, shamanistic traditions that were kind of filtered through uh, mm-hmm. Haiti at the time and then came came to and you know, then the caribbean I think and
1: voodoo the... is filtered through that mysticism of new orleans okay uh because new orleans is one of those places that it's like oh it happened in just louisiana altogether. oh is louisiana i believe it
0: right there's just there's just a kind of there's just an energy to yeah. that area absolutely yeah i have having been there enough times and i'm like i can vouch for it if i wasn't a believer i, yeah. I think a couple of days in new orleans would seriously make me go
2: me, me! My my skepticism.
1: Um so okay, we've we already have established that swamps are fucking creepy, right? I love it. For me, I think I've decided <laughs> a swamp is just like a forest with alligators, snakes, and more mosquitoes.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're
1: no, thank you. You're not I, don't, wrong. I, don't, I don't I don't want that. <laughs> this this swamp, Montauk swamp, this particular swamp, happens to be considered one of the most haunted bodies of water in the world. Really? Yes. Man, New Orleans
0: gets all the like that area gets all the cool shit.
1: They also get all the death. No, that's so true. So much.
0: That's true. So much. Well then of they that. deserve a lot of the nice that's things. That's
1: right. <laughs> you get all of your haunts. You get all you get
0: the you get all the cool reputation. That's
1: right. That's exciting. Uh, okay. terribly
0: insensitive of me. I take it that is back. I'm just saying, like, never mind. Go on. I'm gonna stop talking. I'll let you finish the story. I really
1: enjoy that. You just did that. It was fun for me. (laughs) Okay. And everybody who's from Louisiana is like, I mean, you're not wrong. So first (laughs) of all, you've got the hundreds of people that died in the area already. Yeah. It's rumored that every once in a while, still a body will float from the muck
0: well, I think if, if I understand caught. correctly, like those bodies can be preserved under that mm-hmm. water for a long time well, because of all the about, minerals and everything under there. Like, like the bog people that were found. Yeah, that's what I was gonna know. say. It's
1: no different than the bog people. So um, that happens. Um, and be, and even if they're not bodies from the storm, there are still bodies turning up from somewhere because the swamps are a known dumping ground. If oof. we've, oof. if you've yeah. watched TV ever that takes place in there, everybody's mm. dumping a body in there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fucked up. That's all, all of that shit's fucked up. For a while, people thought – this is just a fun little thing. People thought they were even seeing ghost deer in the area. And
0: ghost deer? Ghost I like deer. that.
1: But it turned out it was just this rare group of uh, albino deer. Oh. oh. And, and I guess uh, I find that hilarious that everybody's like, it's a ghost deer. It's a ghost deer. It's just all these the deer albino like, deer. No,
0: I'm just fucking albino. But still
1: – there were a group of albino deer in the area. That's weird in itself.
0: That is weird. They it's were drinking dead people straight,
1: water. That's probably what it is.
0: Dead people water.
1: You, <laughs> takes all the color out. You. Um, now, a lot of rumors are said about Julia, of course. We've talked about that she would give the passers-by the evil eye or she creeped them out with her songs. She was angry, blah, 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 blah. The people are
0: also sissies. Like, people are going to be like, oh, that old woman's yeah. scared me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um... From the stories I've read, visitors and locals report spooky tales of moans and screams from an unknown woman's voice. Cries from the victims of the old hurricane are mentioned that can still faintly be heard in the distance. Mm. And some people even report hearing Julia singing her songs.
0: I I mean, if I were Julia. Yeah. And I had... Those gifts. I mean, of course, I'm going to occasionally use them to creep people out because it's just why you? you gotta have your fun. You're entitled to your fun. Y-
1: it's a gift for a reason. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like
1: use hey, it. Fuck, fuck
0: with, yeah. fuck with some of those stuff. shirts. a little bit. Make just some of those people bit. uncomfortable. Yeah. You know?
1: So, you know, the cries of the woman could be her, could yeah. be a number be, of other yeah. something else. You know, Who things knows? too. So, uh, but there are oftentimes people. Hear this stuff, and I think you know. You also wonder with it being the swamp. You know, they see the woman who's claiming Aunt Julia from the story. It's kind of I believe in that whole Slender Man thing, where if you believe it,
2: uh-huh.
1: if enough people believe it, they can create that.
0: I I'll and get so... into that a little bit in my ah, story. Oh, very coming exciting. Up, okay, actually. so
1: it makes me wonder, you know, how. Again, I think that story I think is, I think or... ghosts
0: or spirits tend to be like just energy. That don't necessarily have a true form, but that are we kind of dress them up with our unconscious, right? right. And so they it's both us and them. Like they mm-hmm. they do have in, like they frequently have an independent existence. Yeah, they're not just figments of our imagination, but our imagination has certainly given them what they're wearing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know that story too, describing her in the potato sack and smelling real bad. Now, probably the smelling real bad could have happened for anybody, in
0: right in right. the South
1: in the. You well know, yeah, people 1990s. just
0: smelled different back yeah, then. Yeah, we didn't
1: there was no AC, there wasn't, you know, yeah. deodorant. Um, but the potato sack doesn't seem right. She was one of the wealthiest women in the area. Why is she wearing a potato sack and no shoes? You know what I mean? That story. I don't,
0: I don't know. Maybe
1: it's just a ghost that always pretended to be her. I don't know. Or maybe but... she's
0: just eccentric. It I could mean, be. That's she, true too. If she was wealthy and and she was known yeah. to be a, a you know a priestess, like maybe she was just like I'm gonna walk around and stuff. Like what? Let's be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. Maybe she. Maybe she was. Maybe she was like the the quintessential like rich bag lady.
1: Maybe. No, I don't know. It's possible. But I, would... I feel like. Who knows? You know. I don't know. But most likely the story's not true. It's just a really good story. Because based upon what we know about her, it doesn't. It doesn't sync up. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a woman with land with property, who helped the people in her area. Mm. That is not a bad person who would want them all to die. You know what I mean? It just doesn't.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That doesn't mix. She probably it's just history likes to hate women who are helpful. Oh God knows. Yeah,
0: They're just women with power. They right. Can't, they can't handle it.
1: Right. So <laughs> it's that's a witch. Aunt, that's Aunt Julia. But another popular tale from Montauk Swamp. And I'm not gonna get into this too much because you know we only have so much time in a day. <laughs> but I couldn't not include it. Of course. Um, another popular tale from Montauk Swamp is that it is the hunting grounds of the Rougarou.
0: The what a what?
1: The Rougarou. R-O-U-G-A-R-O-U. The Rougarou. Rougarou. Oh, I like it. It's basically a Cajun version of the werewolf.
0: Oh yes, a the, Cajun werewolf. Yes. Fuck yeah. And
1: this is from also from um that guy that I said at the beginning. Let me see if I can find his name real quick. Uh, 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 Mysterious Universe, Brent Swanser. Okay. Swancer.
0: Brent Swancer. The Rougarou. Oh. The Rougarou.
1: The tales of the Rougarou have many variations, but it is mostly described as being a hulking beast up to 10 feet tall with the, hair covered, uh, with the hair covered body of a human and the head of a wolf or in some cases a dog, often with pale white fur and with very prominent fangs and red eyes that are said to glow which stalks the swamps, bayous, and fields of Louisiana. I think
0: I dated this guy.
1: You may have. Back in college. This is Jack's quintessential werewolf.
0: Yeah. He, Jack approves. He
1: approves. He is very particular about his werewolf. <laughs> he
0: he does not
1: like just a wolf, just a big wolf.
0: Like, no, it's yeah.
1: supposed to be humanoid. It's
0: got to be humanoid and terrifying. And he
1: feels unnaturally strong about it. Because yeah. I'm like, but it-
0: Werewolves and, and uh, Houndstooth- He's just triggering. What if those are connected? I mean, linguistically. They Little known fact are. about Jack,
1: Houndstooth makes him irrationally angry and it makes me laugh. So I, whenever I see it, if I'm out, I'll take a picture and send it to him. He
0: hates Houndstooth. <laughs> he hates it. Hates it hates it. It's hilarious
1: how <laughs> much he hates it. Anyway, I don't know why.
0: Well, the other day he came running toward me. He was actually going to just tackle the dogs to be mm-hmm. playful, but I thought, I didn't realize the dog was next to me, so I thought he was tackling me, and for a brief moment, I thought, fuck, am I wearing house Houndstooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh,
1: Other. Okay, sorry. Okay, so other tales say that it's more decidedly ghostly or spectral apparition which glows in the night, or a beast which can become immaterial or disappear at will. The mysterious Ooh. beast is said to be able to change its shape back and forth, and can even take... On other forms such as wear pig, wear cattle, or even wear cranes, the story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, a wear crane, a wear crane. I, I mean, wear pig sounds funny, but it actually when Could you think terrifying. about it, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because pigs are already like they'll eat anything.
1: Right. A wear cattle is just a cattle that serves a purpose beyond meat. Because <laughs> I mean, what else is a cattle? What else do they do? They fart a lot. It's ter- they're terrible, but anyway, but they're delicious. <laughs> wear um, a wear fart.
0: A fart, But a
1: crane. A, a hmm The story of the Ruguru has many forms, with the most common being that it is a curse that has to be transferred to another by drawing blood within 101 days, and which can only be broken through passing it on to others. This is usually done by either viciously attacking someone or, in other versions, simply gazing into another's eyes. In the past, it was common for people to look upon strangers or particularly odd people with great suspicion, as it was thought they may be one of the feared beasts.
0: Oh, I love it. So it's it's kind of reminiscent of the Skinwalker Mm -hmm, legends.
1: And there's another thing that said, if you are bit by one, the only way that you can get rid of the curse is not to tell anybody for a year. So there's a story about this uh, newlywed and she was waiting by the road for her husband because he worked, you know, late and Uh uh, she was bit by a werewolf. Mm -hmm. And so she, or by the Rugoroo. And so she never told anybody. She never said anything. Since her husband worked late, she locked herself into the shed every full moon for a year, never told anybody. And on that year uh, anniversary, her husband asked her if she had ever waited for him by the road. And she said, no, lied to him. And the next day, he said uh, that she had saved them both. Because he had been the Ruguru that had bit her. Oh. And so because she didn't talk about it for a year, he was cured as well.
0: Oh, wow. Man, that's a great story. I, I know. I and don't, it, and I don't it, like what it's an allegory for. I know, for. right.
1: There's a lot of... <laughs> there's a lot to unpack yeah. there that makes me very uncomfortable. Well, and there's a lot of different stories regarding them that yeah. you can see those allegories are about you know being pure or being and, honest or and being silent being silent keeping you know keeping uh, it uh, quiet keeping things quiet that not everybody needs to know and a lot of it has a religious kind of connotation too yeah which certainly goes into it because i mean you have especially a lot of catholicism
0: right. which lends right. itself
1: to a lot of mysticism anyway
0: so well especially that area because it the the creole yes. uh, spanish and french mm-hmm. catholicism yes. is very interesting uh-huh. its own kind of branch
1: well and then you know with i mean you look at at mexico and the yeah, you know all of yeah, that yeah. but as steeped in folklore as the stories of swamp dwelling werewolves might be there are many reports of people actually claiming to see them to this day or to hear their eerie howls piercing the night not a lot of wolves In Louisiana, so keep that in mind, too.
0: Yeah, wolves don't tend to hang around swamps.
1: No. Uh, Some rather dramatic reports have even told of the creatures chasing cars down on the road or slaughtering cattle. Their large, hulking appearance and hair-covered bodies have led to the theory that rather than werewolves, what is being seen is perhaps some Bigfoot-like creatures. Yet there is very little evidence of the creatures one way or another. Nevertheless, if there are Rougarou out there, whatever they are, then Montauk Swamp is said to be one of their favorite haunts. Mysterious lights, shadowy apparitions, orbs of light, and glows emanating from abandoned cabins are commonplace here, as are a few stories of monstrous alligators far larger than normal prowling through the remote areas of the swamp.
0: That then make their way to my hometown Uh and hang out in the lake near the high school. Yeah,
1: don't. Don't go to the lake. You can take tours of the swamp if that's your jam. But I saw an alligator jump onto a boat in one of those nuke's top five
0: things. So I don't think I can do that shit.
1: I'm out. Marky out.
0: <laughs> Fuck a swamp. Fuck a swamp.
1: There are a lot of ghost tours in that area too. So if you're in the area,
0: I would do it. Do, would do swamp, I would do a swamp tour. I probably do would do a swamp tour. I would do a swamp tour. I just bring a lot of off
1: it just I need a bigger boat. Than the ones I saw in News Top 5. Well, I think he's in a he, canoe it's, it's hard or a kayak to, it's anyway. Hard
0: to, it's hard to do swamps in a bigger boat because there's... Well, I it, want the
1: one with the big fan on it. If I'm not in a boat with a big fan on it in a swamp, I'm not in a swamp. I want that one.
0: But you know, those boats tend to be very uh, low-pitched, so don't, they...
1: Don't you fuck this up for me.
0: I'm just saying, they tend to be low-pitched, so it's easier for things to jump into them. Yeah. That... Just bring, just bring some off and, uh, you know be sure you're always holding one of the oars so you can defend yourself if...
1: From the alligator. If, if a were-gator... A were-gator... Or a
0: were-crane.
1: With a were-pig <laughs> on its back, with a were- with a were-crane on its back.
0: That's the makings of a song. It is. That, you, that your ghost will dear be singing Liza, in this <laughs> world. Uh, do you want
1: to see where a yeah, take a break, get another drink? Yeah, let's
0: take a break, get another drink, and then I'll come back and tell my uh, story that's just uh, down the road from yours. I know. Nice
1: and we're back.
0: We're back. We're freshly drinked. Beverage So, I wanted to do something special for this episode cuz it's it's a big one. It's 50. 50. Five zero. Yes. And I thought, you know, this one's been has been on my radar for a while, but there's so much to cover that I, I thought, well, let's, let's wait. This is, this should be a benchmark one. But I decided it was time. High
1: time. High effect, time.
0: For me to do the Myrtle's Plantation. Yes.
1: People have been asking um, for this one. Yeah.
0: Well, I found a lot of good stuff. So um, I want to give a special thanks to uh, the, the writer Colin Dickey, who uh, wrote the book Ghostland, an American history in haunted places, which is really, really good. Highly recommend it. There's a wonderful. Um, it's just kind of uh, I, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's extremely well written, but it's just kind of not just the history of certain haunted places because he's very skeptical and yeah. writes from a skeptical point of view, but he writes with a kind of poet sense of how stories get started and what they represent to the tellers. And and uh, you also learn a lot of really fascinating history about haunted places and maybe places that aren't so haunted. Also, you cannot go, man, you can Google Myrtles and get all sorts of stuff. I mean, um, yeah. It I did so rely big. rather heavily on a YouTube channel called Weekend Whatnots, and this couple that like goes to places and films themselves, like staying at really nice places or doing tours of things. And they did a tour of uh, a really extensive video tour of the grounds of the oh, house, yeah. rather oh, nice. of Myrtle's Plantation. And there's an article that I will reference at the end.
1: Have the Ghost Brothers done Myrtle's?
0: I feel like a, I don't think they have. I think uh, Ghost Adventures has uh, Scariest Places on Earth. Did an episode on the Myrtles. Right. There's a bunch, it, it's very popular, but I it don't is. know the Ghost brothers, the brothers have done it yet. They
1: might have. I love the Ghost Brothers. I do love just them. Just like, they should do the really quickly.
2: The
1: I think it was Jalen tweeted somebody said that they just don't think that they're qualified to help people with ghosts, I guess. Yeah. Which is rude. And he was like, what? what? Uh, and I was like, what makes two plumbers, you know, from ghosts?
0: From, uh, yeah, from the original Ghost Hunters stuff.
1: More qualified.
0: Like, it's a mystery to everyone. Like, I don't Anyway, sorry. Are so I weird. just had
1: to stand up for the Ghost Brothers real quick. I, I love, love the them. Ghost
0: Brothers. It's also just a really fun well, show. Well, and they're not
1: trying to bullshit you that it's not scary or it's not creepy They're or also just
0: far more entertaining than so most hard. of the Ghost Hunters because they its they inject it with humor. And yes. that's needed in well, this genre.
1: And I think it's because the Ghost Hunt seems much more fun and less... I mean, it is what it deadly is. Deadly serious, deadly I mean, serious, they, uh, or catching the Satan or the demons or whatever the <laughs> fuck those. They don't do any of that shit. They just kind of experience, and you feel more like you're experiencing it with yeah, them.
0: Yeah, I, I think the way they go about it is far more relatable. Yes, uh, than and that, other shows. So that ends up
1: being entertaining on yeah. top of just the. Not that ghost I don't stars. love
0: all those other shows, right. although I'm not a huge fan of Ghost Adventures just because no. I just don't like the tone of it. But that's, I can't. that's just me. I also want to punch me. everybody on that show. <laughs> They're so serious. They're oh. so brah. But anyway, anyway, sorry. so let's talk about. The Myrtles, Plantation. the Myrtles Plantation! Just off Route 61 in St. Francisville, Louisiana, recessed behind a scrim of great oaks dripping with Spanish moss, the notorious Myrtles Plantation, often dubbed one of America's most haunted houses, bears witness not just to our morbid curiosity vis-à-vis the unquiet dead, but to our continued fascination, perhaps equally morbid, with the antebellum South. Now, delicate iron lace work encloses the wraparound veranda. The low-slung gables stands symmetrically along the second floor, peering out onto the quiet pond, in the center of which emerges a gable-capped island. Though renovated multiple times since its construction in 1796, you wouldn't know the property hasn't always looked this way. You might, however, notice that the front door keyhole is upside down. Hmm. This is true. Uh, when Rufin and Mary Catherine Sterling purchased the home in 1834, they doubled its size. They also made one concession to local ghost lore. It said malicious spirits resided in the trees and could squeeze through a keyhole to gain entry into the house. Fortunately, installing the lock upside down was sufficient to thwart their efforts. <laughs> now, Seems
1: like a simple fix.
0: It pretty I mean, apparently ghosts are really stupid. Yeah. I, they're like, I'm oh, sorry, I can't. Like, oh, a
1: keyhole that's right side up. I can go. Oh, they flipped it. God <laughs> damn it. Fucking...
0: Then again, I think if I were a ghost, that would probably be enough for me. Like I'm not going through there. Anyway, uh either as a tongue in cheek reference to <laughs> the guys. We tried, guys, we tried. <laughs> we tried but I It's just, upside was, down. We we couldn't we do it. Do? What, are we, what are we gonna it's do? We're spirits. Down. We're gonna turn upside down too. Back
1: to the trees, motherfuckers. Back to the trees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the trees will never be upside down. Um, <laughs> Either as a tongue-in-cheek reference to the Stirlings and their rather odd belief, or perhaps just to be on the safe side, the keyhole has never been put right. But it's not so much the nameless phantoms supposedly roaming the foliage as the legendary pedigreed spirits wandering within that give the Myrtles' plantation its haunted reputation. Surprisingly, though, the original owner isn't one of these ghosts. So, in the early years of the Republic... Pennsylvania lawyer David Bradford fled to Spanish-owned territories of what is now St. Francisville to avoid arrest for his role in the Whiskey Rebellion.
2: Between Mm. the years of
0: 1791 and 1794, the newly formed United States government levied a tax on all domestically produced distilled spirits to help pay off the war debt incurred during the Revolution. Uh, This pissed off a lot of people. Um, American whiskey was by far the most popular of these distilled spirits, so the tax got the name. The Whiskey Mm -hmm. Tax. Now, for farmers who tended to shore up their annual losses by transmuting surplus grain into liquid gold, this didn't sit too well. It cost yeah. them a lot of money. It also wasn't popular among war veterans who hastened to remind Uncle Sam that taxation without representation was the very issue that sparked America's fight for independence in the first goddamn place. Right. Uh, protesters across western Pennsylvania weren't above inciting violence to ward off tax collectors. Things finally came to a head in July of 1794 when the home of General John Neville came under siege by an impromptu militia in response to his having served writs to local distillers. George Washington himself rode out to quell the insurgency, told they were facing an army of some 13,000 men provided by the governors of Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. The whiskey rebels fled. David Bradford, then the Attorney General for Washington County and a very vocal opponent of the tax, followed their example. Harriet Branton describes his colorful escape in her book, David Bradford and His House. On the night of October 25th, 1794, she says, warned of a cavalry unit approaching with orders to claim the $500 bounty on his head, Bradford leapt magnificently from a rear window onto a horse and galloped off into the That's night. That's fancy. With the soldiers in hot pursuit, Bradford made, for Bradford made for McKee's Rocks, where he traded the horse for a skiff and made like hell down the Ohio River, trading gunfire all night long with his assailants.
1: Because of Whiskey
0: while hugging the opposite bank. Now securing passage on a keelboat bound for New Orleans, the following night Bradford watched with a mixture of pride and awe as the skipper ordered his crew to disarm a party of soldiers who'd boarded with the intent to arrest him. Guns were unceremoniously tossed into the river and the soldiers pelted with coal from the cargo hold. (laughs) Thus, David Bradford said farewell to a young America and came to Spanish-owned West Florida, today part of Baton Rouge, where he built a modest eight-room house in the Creole style on several acres of land he called Laurel Grove. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. He eked out a comfortable, if somewhat lonely existence among the fragrant crepe myrtles for several years before John Adams issued an official pardon in 1799 for his part in establishing a boundary between America and the Spanish territories, called the Elliot's Line, uh, permitting the family Bradford left in Pennsylvania to join him. Oh, well, that's nice. Fun fact, while he has a suite named after him, the only portrait of General Bradford uh, currently on display at Myrtle's is the sketch from his wanted poster. Oh, that's uh, fun. Right? Bradford's wife, Elizabeth, managed the plantation after his death in 1808, and a few years later turned the keys over to Clark Woodruff, one of Bradford's old law students and now son-in-law. When Elizabeth died in 1831 Woodruff by then familiar with more than his share of tragedy as we'll see moved to Covington with his surviving daughter Mary Octavia. Ready to be done with Laurel Grove once and for all Woodruff sold the plantation to Rufin and Mary Sterling who made massive additions and renamed it the Myrtles Plantation after the lovely trees dotting the landscape or at least supposedly that's where the name comes from.
1: I mean it makes sense.
0: The Stirlings decked the place out with expensive imported furnishings from Europe, proceeded to live the good life on the backs of their slaves, most of who were sold to them by Woodruff himself. One, a stunning woman named Chloe, had for all intents and purposes the run of the house, which was odd. Not because of her station, per se. It wasn't unusual in those days for favored slaves to be given special privileges. No, seeing Chloe flit around the hallways in her customary green turban or stare forlornly from an upstairs window was unsettling. Because she was dead. In life, Chloe had been one of Woodruff, had been Woodruff's mistress. Mm. It wasn't difficult to see why. An, uh, an oppressed young woman of mixed heritage and zero prospects in those days, Chloe supposedly used her exotic light-skinned beauty to advantage, seducing the master and securing what amounted to a de facto <sighs> position within the family to avoid right. the back-breaking toil of life in the fields. Sure, that
1: was her. That was, I'm sure, all right. her. Yeah, right. it wasn't. It wasn't right. that he was like raping her and shit. It was that.
0: Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Sorry, it makes me angry
1: how they romanticize it, mm-hmm. like it's her mm-hmm. fault.
0: Right? And like I don't did.
1: even know the story, but it makes me mad.
0: <laughs> so Woodruff's, Woodruff's three daughters adored her and she them. Uh, as his concubine, Chloe was allowed to come and go more or less as she pleased. One day, however, she took this relative freedom too far. While hashing out family business behind closed doors, Judge Woodruff caught Chloe eavesdropping outside his office. As punishment, he amputated Chloe's left ear and revoked her free-range privileges, banishing her to the sweltering kitchen. Chloe was distraught, so the story goes. She took to wearing a bright green turban to conceal the severed ear and kept her counsel. Before long, however, she hatched a plan to win back the judge's good opinion of her. Whether what happened next was outright vengeance or just a deeply misguided attempt to showcase her worth, there is much debate. She had nursed the Woodruff girls through many an illness in her time, you see. Restoring them to health after a bout of some mysterious and potentially life-threatening malady would be just the ticket to renew her standing. Or so you'd think. She baked a pinch of oleander into the birthday cake for one of the girls, served it, and waited for them to grow sick so she could administer the antidote and reap the praise. Woodruff was away on business at the time, so only his wife, Sarah, and the three daughters partook. The plan backfired tragically. Chloe miscalculated the amount of oleander. Two of the three girls died, along with his wife. Some versions of the story have Chloe running in terror before being caught and handed over to Woodruff by fellow slaves. Others say she confessed outright. In any case, Woodruff ordered Chloe hanged and her body thrown into the Mississippi River. Following this, mm. he sold the plantation lock, stock and barrel to the Stirlings, taking himself and his surviving daughter Mary out of the story. After the Stirlings, who were credited with the home's iconic look as we know it today, the Myrtles Plantation changed hands several times. The land uh, was divvied up between various heirs until the 1950s, when Marjorie Munson purchased the house and the few remaining acres still allotted to it at the time. The Stirlings may have hoisted the home to landmark status in their day, but it's Munson to whom we owe its distinctly modern reputation as the most haunted house in America. According to Munson, Chloe's restless spirit plagued each owner in turn. So, her handprints materialize on a large mirror at the base of the main staircase. If you look at it just right, the impression of a woman's face streaks across the top right-hand side. The strange marks remain despite the mirror having been re-silvered many times and cleaned regularly. Chloe tickles the ivories of a baby grand tucked beneath the stairs. She knows uh, she's known to wrench champagne flutes from the hanging rack above the bar and hurl them across the room. Indeed, she seems once again to have uh, to have the run of the place. A photo taken of the breezeway between the portico and the storehouse supposedly shows her skulking along the wall, wearing the ever-present turban. In the words of the current curator, she can show up at any time. So many people have reported seeing her full-bodied apparition over the years, sometimes even talking to them, that laying the bulk of the ghostly goings-on at Myrtle's plantation uh, seems only natural. But at least some of the antics can be attributed to the Woodruff girls. Women often feel the tug of little hands at their skirt. Guests hey. report the pitter-patter of little feet along the corridor outside their rooms. Staff members hear disembodied laughter coming as if from children spying on them from behind the heavy drapes, unable to hold back their mischievous delight. Also heard our adult voices, mm. talking amongst themselves in the richly appointed Bradford suite, sometimes conducting mundane business, it seems, sometimes arguing... But then again, just about every suite in the home seems to come with its own ghost. Reuven Sterling succumbed to tuberculosis four years after the house's original facelift was complete. The suite, named for him, is one of four sumptuous rooms accessible by a staircase communicating with the back porch and was once used by his daughter, Sarah, and son-in-law, William Drew Winters, as a nursery for their six children, uh, very few of whom survived, nary a ghost, Uh, Excuse me, nary a guest gets through the night in this room without some random object disappearing only to reappear later in the Mm. unlikeliest of places. Intrepid curiosity seekers even bring toys for the children to play with.
1: Well, that seems reasonable.
0: Now, William Drew Winters also seems to have stayed on at Myrtles. Mm. Um, He and Sarah, who Mary Sterling made managers of the place in 1865, had to sell the plantation after the Civil War, but were able to buy it back two years later. Oh, In 1871, while Winters was giving Sunday school lessons to the children upstairs, a stranger rode up to the house, angrily called him down, quote, on business, and shot the unsuspecting man in cold blood. The murderer fled. Winters is said to have staggered up the main staircase, calling for his wife. He took his last breath in her arms on the 17th step. His murderer, thought by some to be a man by the name of E.S. Webber, was never caught taking whatever twisted rationale he had for ending the man's life to his grave. While nothing much happens in the suite bearing Winter's name, the final moments of his life play out in perpetuity. Guests staying in the Clark Woodruff suite report footsteps lurching up the staircase outside their door, stopping on the 17th step. Now, a slew of untimely deaths have supposedly stained myrtles over the years. Three Union soldiers were shot dead while trying to ransack the mansion during the Civil War. A Confederate soldier named John W. Leake shot himself in the foot to get out of serving and let <laughs> and let the wound grow infected. He died while convalescing in the room that now bears his name.
1: That's a whoopsies
0: ghost for no you. No shit. One of Sarah Winter's six children, Kate, died of typhoid fever at the age of three. Harrison and Fanny mm-hmm. Williams, uh, who ran the plantation uh, in 1868... um. It, they had it briefly. So when Winters had to sell it briefly after, after during the, the Civil War, years, after yeah. the two years, it went to a U.S. Marshal. And so I think Fanny and Harrison ran it. I don't think they owned it. Okay. Um, they bought the plantation in, or they had the plantation in 1868, and they had the singular task of sustaining it through the first years of the post-Civil War era, which, of course, was one of the most difficult times for the South, uh, because, I mean, their economy was completely ravaged.
1: Right. Well, and when and- you had a a farm that was run with slave labor.
0: And now it's like, oh, we have to pay people. Yeah. Then you go Um, down. Like, yeah. That's uh, what happens, people. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, they lost their oldest son, Harry, when he drowned in the Mississippi River while rustling cattle ahead of an oncoming storm. Handcrafted porcelain dolls adorning the room named for Fanny- That's fucked up. Reportedly move on their own. Don't like it. Shifting positions when no one's looking. I just, really hate I left it. that one in just it. for you. I don't
1: like it. I don't <laughs> want it.
0: It can go fuck itself. As if that weren't enough, rumors abound that the parking lot- is built on top of an ancient Native American burial ground. Of
1: course it is.
0: The Tunica, I think I'm pronouncing that right, T-U-N-I-C-A, a group of Native tribes famed throughout the Mississippi River Valley during the colonial period, are thought to have interred their honored dead on the grounds where Bradford built the home's original incarnation. To some, this accounts for the rap sheet of tragedy that followed. In his book, <laughs> Ghostland, I American just gotta say History, real quick, mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm pretty sure everywhere during the Civil War, was just riddled with
0: death and disease. With well, his, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, it you know was everywhere. You it know, know everywhere. whose fault it's not? The Native, Native Americans. Americans. They were like, fuck you guys. Right. Why are
1: you um, having a civil war?
0: This was ours! <laughs> like We were doing We didn't. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. It's, it's so true. In his book, Ghost Land, an American History and Haunted Places, author Colin Dickey writes, quote, the Anglo fascination with Native American burial lands stretches back at least to the 18th century. The revolutionary poet, the revolutionary war poet, uh, Philip Freneau, was one of the earliest to approach these sacred lands with a mixture of exoticism and foreboding. In his 1787 poem, The Indian Burying Ground, he saw the spirits of the vanquished Indians still hunting, feasting, and playing. Thou stranger uh, that shall come this way, no fraud upon the dead commit. Observe the swelling turf and say they do not lie, but here they sit. Hmm. This particular wrinkle in the legend can be traced back to Francis Kermeen, who bought the plantation in 1980. She aimed to transform the house into a sumptuous bed and breakfast, but quickly found herself besieged by paranormal activity. Balls of light whizzed around and hovered throughout the house. Candelabras floated midair. Sickeningly sweet perfumes assaulted her nostrils out of nowhere. Chloe appeared frequently, menacing guests, sometimes appearing over their beds and admonishing them to leave. Clark Woodruff's ghost made unwelcome overtures to young ladies. Wow. But most curious of all was the spirit of a Native American woman seen sitting beneath a weeping willow opposite the pond. She was new to the cast of ghostly regulars. Witnesses recount her uh, turning to face them, disappearing gradually as she held their gaze. This led Kermine to speculate wildly about the ghost's origin. Poltergeist and the Amityville Horror were very much in vogue at the time.
1: 1980, yeah.
0: The parking lot, she concluded, must be on top of a Native American burial ground.
1: Right.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Alas... Your instincts are dead on. This doesn't seem to be true. There is a Tunica burial ground about 15 miles away, up Route 61. But as far as diligent archaeologists have been able to determine, no remains lay beneath the soil at Myrtle's. Mm -hmm. And the burial ground yarn isn't the only discrepancy in the Myrtle's legend. This does not...
1: Let me just say this. Anytime something happens and they blame a woman, especially a slave woman, who they they romanticized their relation her relationship
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then they
1: blame her. Her, she, her she was upset about something and her feelings were hurt or this poor, this woman who had been thwarted who had been trying this to this emotional
0: creature that was, just was you know well and
1: she was how dare she seek above her station how dare she? Yes, what and she that's gets. what it all comes comes down well, to. Well, and I feel I like I find all it's always bullshit. It's always well, bullshit. well, and I feel
0: and it's the same thing with the Native American burial ground stuff, which is uh, discussed before. Mm-hmm. I think it's it tends to be our way of processing the cultural guilt.
2: Yeah, you know right, we feel
0: right. we're like, well, you know it's it, it's on one hand it you know we want to believe. Well, hold off because okay. uh, okay. we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second, but um so. Uh, it's not the only discrepancy for the matter of that even the story of the original builders daring escape from Pennsylvania is a huge exaggeration. Bradford left uh, Pennsylvania at his leisure, not on desperate horseback or in a skiff down the Ohio River under a hail of musket fire.
1: Which seems a lot for fucking whiskey.
0: Uh-huh. Well, okay. well it was it was money. It was money, not whiskey. Right. It was really money. It was just called the Whiskey Rebellion, but it was all follow the money, follow the money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and he was wanted. I mean, but he just kind of, he was rich. He was like, I'll just take off. I'm fine. Now the skipper of the boat on which he booked passage to West Florida did admonish a group of soldiers on board, but that's about it. Also, William Winter's last moments didn't play out quite like we're told. It seems he died on the porch, never stumbling his way up the stairs to expire dramatically in his wife's arms. Newspapers of the day reported that a man named E. B. Weber or E. S. Weber, excuse me, was to stand trial for his murder, but they never followed up on the trial's outcome, or for that matter, if a trial even took place. So far, as historians have been able to, uh, um, so far historians have been unable to uncover any records indicating legal action regarding winter's sad demise hmm. but it is the only murder that's confirmed right on the, that but it ha- some definitely, people's stories will tell you yeah. like he definitely was shot yeah uh but he didn't he didn't go up the stairs and die on the 17th step I mean, who counts that anyway um
1: He's like, i got to get three more before three I get there.
0: Like his wife is sitting there crying as her husband's bleeding out in her arms. And she's like, one, two, five, one, 17 steps. Okay, good, babe. Um, <laughs> you got your steps in. Look at how many uh, steps
2: you got
0: <laughs> But it's just, it's a dramatic and very cliched kind of, it's a very melodramatic device in the story. Like he did mm-hmm. die, but he died on the porch. Right. But it's not as interesting to, you know, have a ghost on the porch as it is to have a ghost on the staircase. Right. Um. So, and again, there are some, depending on who you ask, um, they'll tell you that there have been ten murders, murders at the Myrtles yeah. Plantation, but the only confirmed one that they found any records of are uh, that one that winters, which mm-hmm. was tragic. Uh, but it's weird that there's not any records about what happened. So whether this E.S. Weber guy yeah. was responsible, or whether he took off, or whether well, maybe and he, I mean, vigilante justice took him down, or you we know, whatever. Don't
1: know considering with having slaves, if any of those slaves were murdered, because they wouldn't have publicized that. It would have been hard
0: to mm-hmm. uh, talk mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. This is very true. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the ghost of William Drew Winters and and uh, apparently even the three Union soldiers that was sh- that were shot and killed trying to ransack that. There's no evidence of that, right? Either. And it's that was a, a very. I wondered story. about that
1: too because it was very common to vilify the other side, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it was you know it it made it okay for their side to be doing what their side was doing if, if the other side was doing bad things right, too. And right. I'm not saying that that Union soldiers weren't. Shitty at times, or that well, there was definitely ransacking going on. There was ransacking going on.
0: I do feel like you know it would have been difficult to kill three soldiers. I mean, who knows? But other way, there's no evidence of it at all.
1: If soldiers were ransacking, it wouldn't have just been three.
0: Yeah, and the place was definitely ransacked. There were right. records of them like losing a lot of like artifacts yeah. and, and furniture and stuff, but there's no reports of any any soldier being... Di- I think they just killed. let yeah. them ransack the yeah. place.
1: Yeah, well, and it's a way of taking back some of that. Well, they did, but we killed three of them, you know? Yeah. But there's a lot of exaggeration mm-hmm. when it comes to those kinds of things. Uh,
0: well, because they make, of... it makes a better story. And yeah. it's like a game of telephone. I think that's mm-hmm. what happened with the story. Mm-hmm. Um so speaking of which, sadly or perhaps not so sadly, it seems the plantation's most celebrated ghost, Chloe. Chloe, is also pure fiction.
1: What a surprise. Um
0: despite diligent research by numerous historians over the years, no slave by that name or any or any anything close to that name because they've also looked for Cleo or or uh, right. Clara. Um has been found in the plantation's copious records, especially the ones during the Woodruff years. And before you think, well, they erased her. Woodruff made sure she paid for her crimes, not just with her life, but with every trace that she'd even lived. He wiped her out of existence. Sound reasoning as far as it goes, and heaven knows it wasn't, it was certainly within the power of a rich landowning white man to erase a person of color from public record if he wanted to. Only problem is Woodruff had no reason. Neither his wife nor any of his children died by poisoning.
1: Right. Well, they, the other uh, thing to keep in mind mm-hmm. about uh, slavery is that <laughs> those, uh, even though they, of course, weren't free and couldn't vote, they counted for uh, the for how many votes a uh, state would get. So they went yeah. towards their entire um, population, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though they couldn't vote, which meant Southern states who, and that was one of the things I think that turned Lincoln, what he saw that... All of these people were getting credit for votes that they couldn't vote. Yeah. And so there would be one, two, three owners in an area, but would have hundreds of, you know, yeah, their vote it would, would say be it was worth hundreds because yes, of Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is so ridiculous. that was,
0: uh mm, it's part funny. The electoral of college of, still kind of works like uh, that. Uh, exactly. What? Exactly. What? Did I say that? Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, but it, you know, at least with the electoral college. People are actually voting. Imagine if it was the Electoral College and, you know, half of California wasn't actually able to vote.
0: Well the problem so, with the electoral co- well true true yeah. and very true but the problem with the electoral college is that you're not really voting for a candidate you're voting for an elect a uh, uh, some guy an that elected will vote, official yeah an elected official who will vote however the fuck he wants to Exactly um, Exactly
1: but that's a whole other podcast
0: That's a whole other podcast <laughs> yes. Yeah but whole anyway other, that was just other- that's just
1: something to keep <clears> in <throat> mind um it <clears> throat> was throat> very important for people in the south at the time to make sure all of their slaves were accounted for yeah. it was a, it was it was a big deal because and it it implied it was going to determine whether or not they had slaves. And
0: and by no means am I trying to candy coat the the awful awful institution of fucking slavery, but it, it we tend to dramatize it and be like, well, they could get away with anything, but there were laws in place to protect yes. slaves. Generally. to an extent yeah um, but not not because they were thought of people but because no, they were thought of merchandise property. you didn't want to ruin uh, your and property. property and so people were like you know whatever because we discussed a little bit of that when we talked about uh, Madame Lavare and mm-hmm. how like well she wasn't known to do uh, well anyway I don't want to anyway, go down that yeah. red hole again so, so but anyway but but Wood- either way like even if he'd wanted to and could have like Woodruff like his children didn't die by poisoning. poisoning, he had a son and a daughter that died of yellow fever a couple of years after his wife Sarah died of yellow fever. But mm. that's that's it. And yeah. he and he moved away shortly after losing his second child to yellow fever. Right. So that's like Chloe never existed. That story is a complete fiction. Um, and it's also worth noting that there are two details, uh, at least two details about Chloe's story, that have evolved over time to reflect more modern sensibilities her eavesdropping, for example, and the nature of her relationship to Judge Woodruff. The version given to tour groups these days tends to cast Chloe as an unwilling recipient of the master's advances, which of course is much more believable. Um, She's said to have complied just for fear of being banished to work in the fields, and so anxious was she to stay indoors, she took to listening in on the judge's conversations because she wanted to know ahead of time if he was in any way displeased with her. Mm -hmm. Um, That element of the story has changed. That, That used to just be like, well, no, she was just, she was just she had the run of the house and she was like, oh, let's listen in. She was just, she was nosy.
1: She was getting a the surprise. Yeah. You know,
0: and but now the, the more modern story is like, well, no, she was his unwilling mistress, and she was just like listening in to say, like, okay, it's how survival. long do I have? kind of thing, which is sadly more believable. And that's another thing. I mean, like Chloe, um, she may not have been real, but I think it's a fair assumption that her tragic story holds up a mirror to the experience of many slaves who were. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the function it plays and it's interesting to see it evolve, but, but it just doesn't seem like she was, she ever existed. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did it all get started? Well, according to some thoroughly researched, uh, or thoroughly researched article online titled The Myrtle's Plantation, Legends, Lore, and Lies, which I can't find a byline on. Marjorie Munson, who bought it in the 50s, you'll Mm -hmm. recall, got wind of some local stories shortly after buying the mansion in the 1950s and ran with them, making some significant changes along the way. The granddaughter of Harrison and Fanny Williams, uh, Lucille Larson, L-A-W-R-A-S-O-N, told Munson uh, when she asked that her aunts used to talk about the ghost of an old woman who wore a green bonnet. And so and so much so that it became something of a family joke. The ghost was never given a name, and in fact, uh, but it was a fact. Um, uh, excuse me, the ghost was never given a name, but unlike Chloe, who was young and of mm-hmm. mixed heritage, uh, this was an old woman. This was yeah. the, this was supposedly the ghost of an old woman. It was a bonnet, not a turban. Uh, that's a detail that evolved as well. And uh, but that didn't let Munson get in the way. She just kind of created her own version of the story, and she felt compelled to write a song about her. And thus mm-hmm. the legend of Chloe was born. So it completely came out of this Munson woman who was well, like, I bet this happened.
1: Well, you also know? it could just be she was, you know, inspired by the story and wrote a song that is inspired by the story that isn't even... Right. She was not even right. ever saying that like, was yeah, true. She, yeah, She's she just, just an artist, right? Yeah. She's just writing a story. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then people took that as fact.
0: Yeah, and so, so here's the thing with the Myrtles Plantation. I don't mean to doubt the validity of anyone who's had an experience there, because I think stuff typically goes on. I mean, and the house, house, especially a plantation that was a slave plantation for much of its history, Mm -hmm. um, is gonna have some fucking ugly energy attached to it.
1: Lots of deaths. The the energy based, you know, with slavery and all of that is awful. Right. You know, we're not saying he didn't rape somebody because it's possible. No. Yeah. It happened a lot.
0: Yeah, it's um, true.
2: You
1: know, uh, then also uh, we're not saying he did.
2: Um, yeah, there's no evidence if that he did. His spirit is getting litigious. Kinda, it, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but well, he he was a judge. Um, uh, yeah, but,
2: but I mean, there's no evidence
0: yeah. that he did. But I mean, that kind of stuff did happen, it happened and so regularly. people think, well, here's a great thing. And I, I think what's gone on with the Myrtles Plantation is that these stories, I think the experiences, the paranormal stuff, like the the, the chandeliers flying around and the orbs and things like that, and the noises and the voices, like, I think all that was probably legit, and people started looking for stories to explain it, and then once the story Kind of gets cemented. That's what you see. Yeah. You know, you go and you see, like you can look. I'll have to show you afterwards the 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 supposed picture of Chloe. Um, mm-hmm. that's yes. On uh, the, between the the breeze the the breezeway between. It's very the, famous. You know, it's very famous, but it it looks like what you want to see. Like a, it
2: looks like you a know. Woman.
0: I don't I don't necessarily see you know if you didn't tell me to look for a turban on her head or to even say it was a woman I'd just be like well, that's just a weird figure you know it's right. too it's too amorphous to suggest anything. Unless you come into it knowing what you're supposed to see, yeah, and I think that's what happens with a lot of these stories. I don't think that you know. Um, I just think maybe there's maybe there's stuff that goes on at the Myrtles Plantation, mm-hmm. but I think we're completely fucking wrong about who it is and what it is and why and what their stories are. And so I think it's the power of the imagination that kind of can sometimes create. Uh, that can kind of dress whatever's happening up and be like, oh, that's Chloe. Well, yeah. you didn't see Chloe. Well, you saw something else.
1: And and I think it's Maybe a we great... created
0: Chloe and she has an existence now because... Right, because you know. we created it. Mm-hmm. And
1: it's something to... Th- I mean, there's there's no reason that there can't be someone's haunting, you know, that it couldn't right. be something. Right, right. Uh, you got the Civil War. You got all of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, plantations weren't, you know they're so romanticized in history. I mean, you have gone with the wind. It's so
0: romanticized, Exactly. And
1: the, you know, happy, well, I ain't birthed, no babies. You know, that whole woman, right. right, Right. Lovable. And she's been treated well. And so
0: Mm -hmm. the
1: South and the daughters of the Confederacy went out of their way to romanticize the entire thing Mm -hmm. to make it seem like it wasn't as bad. They were the ones who put up all, I mean, well after after the Civil War. We're putting up these Civil oh, yeah. War hero statues and people freak out yes. about taking them down. And it's like they're shitty statues that there's, were put up well there's, afterwards.
0: There's statues of people that were fighting to enslave people. Yeah, right. Or to so, maintain slavery. Yes.
1: Uh, and, you know, they are the ones who reconfigured it to being about states' rights and not about
0: Well, and slavery. it was about states' rights. Their rights to, to have, slaves. have slaves. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's so, just the part they don't like to talk about. Yeah, if you look at any of the... And it's anyway, a testament to how... I mean, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's a testament to how much slave labor, uh, the economy of the South, depended on slave labor, because once it was denied it, the South just crumbled.
1: Yes, absolutely. Almost overnight. And so my point about all of this, and people can disagree with me about the daughters of Confederacy as much as they want, but they're wrong. Uh, (laughs) But more importantly, (laughs) with plantations in particular, anytime you see a plantation story, ghost story, history, whatever, that it... Look for that, that romantic, that romanticized version, of it. version yeah. of it because it's not the truth, and it and it is not the truth at the sake of the real experience of mm-hmm. Black Americans that were enslaved at the time, and so we want to make sure when we go over these histories that we're being truthful, not to mm-hmm. the romance of the story but to the reality. Yeah. and the reality is not pretty, and it yeah.
0: and it's hard for it's hard for us to appreciate that reality mm-hmm. because yes. it's like we cannot understand. It's it's hard for most people, thank God, to to. Uh, you know, at least most people that I would want to know, uh, it's hard for us to relate to anyone that would be okay with owning a slave. Yes, you absolutely. Know? But at some point in our past, a great-grandfather probably did. Um, you know, and it's just hard for us to get in that headspace. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to think, it's hard for me at least to imagine a time period where that was so normalized that people just, well, no, of course, there's no question. You know, right. It's, like, it's
1: just the way it was. Um
0: so it's I, I do think, and and Colin Dickey, the author of the book I referenced, um, talks talks about it very eloquently about how the you know the the Native American burial ground trope and the the, mm-hmm. the slaves haunting the old plantation trope are very consistent uh, in these stories, and they're kind of a. There's stories that that we tend to tell ourselves that kind of help us process yes. the the guilt. The guilt. The guilt yes. we feel. And and guilt is kind of a big word. And I know a lot of people resent it because they're like, well, I didn't own slaves, whatever. And you may not have. Yeah. Um and, and you may not yeah, and maybe your ancestors didn't, because your ancestors might have been right. poor on un- landowning uh whites, um, which was probably the case for a lot more people than they think. But it's still there's this temptation to romanticize, you know, the South and and slavery that I think we're still trying to learn to get away from because yes. we've just and to separating fact from fiction there is a, on the flip side of this a lot of tour guides uh, at old plantation or civil war sites when bringing up slavery um you know as they have to by due yeah. diligence obviously it's a it's a vital part of this place's history like they it's not uh, it's not infrequent for someone in the tour group or several people in the tour group to get mad yeah. that they bring up slavery at all and they refuse that they it do not They to, hear refuse the to the believe bad that part. it even existed. Right. They're like, oh, they weren't slaves. It's weren't this, they were this, they were paid, or or they were given food and water, all this. And yeah. it was like they were okay. Fucking right. people. Sure. But I mean, imagine being a, a tour guide that has to, you know, give these tours and the minute you start catered talking to about these assholes to these assholes, tell them like, what the fuck? So it's it's such a weird and it's and again, we're living in a time where all this it seems to be coming to a head again. Like all these yeah. ideas about it, people get so up in arms and it's just weird. So it's it's really, it breaks my heart. I mean, yeah. on one hand to like, to be like Chloe never existed because that particular woman may never have existed or that story may never actually happened. But again, I have to stress that I think she is, um, you know, uh, or like the way she was supposed to have been treated. We can assume that a lot of slaves had that experience mm-hmm. or as good as.
1: Yeah, well, and um, we can take that, that um experience that that she said to have had and even even the fake story Mm -hmm. is romanticized right even the fake story is a lesson for people to stay in their own place and Mm -hmm. not try to go Mm -hmm. above your own because if you do you're if you do you're a bad person who would kill children if you do you're a bad person who deserves to have your ear cut off because you're trying how how fucking dare you and that that's the lesson of that story when it comes down to and it. But I think and it's, it's so
0: normalized that people don't even tell that story trying to impart that. Moral. No, they don't get they it. Don't, now, yeah. They don't think that it's there, but yeah. it's there. It's kind of it's hidden in plain sight.
1: Right. And and the, you know, you you have, I mean, because I get it, plantation houses are fucking gorgeous. Yeah. They're huge and they're sweeping and ornate. And there's there is something romantic about them architecturally speaking. Sure. But they represent. Really horrible shit. Yeah, they so, represent.
0: It's it's like it's like in the time machine. You have like the mm-hmm. lovely existence of the people on the surface, but the people that are actually running the show, uh, you know, are living in absolute degradation exactly. underground. They never exactly. even see light. So it's like you can look at that beautiful romantic setting and understand that the flip side of that is like how did how did that family afford that land uh-huh. or or that beautiful architecture or all that beautiful imported furniture from Europe? Oh, oh okay, yeah, for, because they they enslaved people right. for the color of their skin yes yeah yeah it's just it's disgusting um so 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 all of which is to say i have very complex feelings about the myrtle story because on the one hand i'm like i i get it i get why you want to kind of keep that because i mean let's be real sometimes the only way to uh oftentimes the only way to get people nowadays, or I shouldn't even say nowadays, maybe it's always been this way. The only way to get people really interested in the the fineries of history, which of course are never cut and dry, is to kind of dress them up with a ghost story. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine and good, but you can't let the story get in the way of the truth. Right. You've got to be like, okay, exactly. You can't like like really look at that story. So
1: whenever, I mean, especially like we've already, we've talked about the Native American burial grounds many times, but Mm -hmm. any kind of, of stories that involve slaves, look past that to see the truth. Because a lot of the times it's
0: romanticizing that history, mm-hmm. and, and and we don't even we mean don't. to yeah. to romanticize it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's that in a nutshell is the Myrtle Plantation. And if there's any moral to that story, I just think like for any amateur ghost hunters, I think my rule of thumb is if it has a gift shop, it's probably not actually haunted.
1: Right. Or at unless least the story isn't accurate. In Scotland. <laughs> right. The story may not be accurate. Right, but the it doesn't mean it's not haunted. Well, it just
0: but it does. It it is worth asking how many people that have had experiences would have experiences if they weren't told a story ahead of time. Right, you know, it's yeah, just it's that's interesting and it, and it and it gets in the way of genuine investigation sometimes. Yeah, I'm so, sure. Well, in a
1: place like that too, you get so many people coming in. Uh huh. You uh-huh. know that, you know, it can it can create a space where. Yeah, it just like pushes out. It, it's like it seems like when places are visited a lot, it's either two things happen. One, it like completely closes itself off. There's too much energy there for yeah. the other energy yeah. to kind of like to, your experience to, of Rome. Yes. Yeah. Or. It has the opposite effect and creates like this fucking portal where every shit yeah. comes in, you know. But so it's like everything
0: you imagine is real now. Yeah, right. Yeah, You've so f- weird.
1: Created it. Congratulations. There was a
0: Well, again, the writer that wrote uh, I forget his name I'll stop off the top of my head, but there was the writer that wrote um, the books uh, very prolifically. He wrote like sixty something books about the Shadow. Um yeah. The Shadow, the the old radio uh, superhero from back in the day. And Only
1: think, the Shadow knows. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, his house where he where he wrote uh, many of those books is now reportedly haunted by a figure that resembles the Shadow. But mm. this isn't someone who ever really existed you know so uh, well not it, that we know like it, but a, then that makes
1: you wonder if that experience like if that house was haunted and he wrote it there if he wrote the shadow based upon his experiences with whatever that
0: goes he, through he was asked about this apparently and mm-hmm. no he didn't he never experienced anything while he was there well, but it was like the, his energy his, the energy of, of his imagination some people created kind of a tulpa um, oh yeah you know the, a figment of the imagination that takes on material reality that takes on material existence and maybe that's what Chloe is it could be um, um, so who knows? It's just it's all fascinating and, 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 and very thorny and uh, but I felt it was high time we talked I about think the Myrtles good. plantation. Yeah, so, I think it's really good. Yeah. That's
1: a good actually.
0: Yeah, that's a that's one a necessary actually. Very I think necessary. That's something actually.
1: that I mean, that's good. that's good. That's why we look into the history to find out what the truth is. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or isn't. <laughs> right, maybe. right.
1: Yeah, awesome. That was Whew. good. <sighs> glad oh, man, I got fired. I got that fired up there. I know. I,
0: I, I, I knew so I knew we would. I knew we would. I thought it's it's a pretty uh it's a pretty hairy topic.
1: yeah yeah. All right. Well, uh thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. We're going to go now. Episode 50. Episode 50. Yeah. We have a we're recording this on Saturday. Uh-huh. So right now we're going to go downstairs and do a live stream of the Borderlands. Yes. Our fellas are going to be playing while we just watch. While we just I watch try it. not to vomit cuz I get first person. person shooter sickness. But, <laughs> um so we're going to go do that, which should be really fun. Uh yes. which we'll probably talk about it on Thursday cuz this will come out after we've already done the stream. But um yeah, keep sending us your stories. Thank you guys for listening again. Thank you, everybody who's been going into Patreon. Yeah, thank you so that's much. Been, that's that's been really that's cool. Been blown up. You guys are rocked. I know. We're very flattered because <sighs> we've done nothing yet. Um, <laughs> but make the Patreon. Uh, so, yes, thank you guys. Uh, keep listening. Give us those reviews. And uh, remember,
2: it's, it's okay, okay to sleep with, with the lights on. on.